Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. This week, we are doing something pretty exciting. Here, you can listen to this week's podcast about practicing. But if you would like, you could actually go to our YouTube page, Crash Rhythm, and watch it. For the first time ever, we are live recording, well, I guess just recording, our podcast. So go to YouTube and check out this episode from this week. I hope you enjoy it. This is exciting. We are recording our Crash Rhythm Play It Forward podcast, and for the first time ever, there's a video to go with it. Here we are on a video call. We've got cool backgrounds. If you're just listening to us on the podcast, then obviously you can't really fully get what we're doing right now, but please check us out on YouTube and you'll see it. So obviously, um, there's no mystery. I'm uh, recording today with Malcolm and Matt. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Hello. So Malcolm's in his own basement, joined by his um, triplets. Yep, my homies. <laughs> my Drinking coin. coffee and eating pancakes. Yep. And Matt is um, blocking the animal there. There he is. I'm hanging out with my favorite Muppet, you know? Yeah, <laughs> favorite Muppet, favorite drummer. Yeah. <laughs> Just the coffee handoff. Uh, it's so good. So before we get into the topic today, uh, I do want to say one thing, because this week we um, released that we are now doing virtual workshops through Crash Rhythm. So what that's gonna look like for those listening, those interested, those watching as well, is we're basically um, doing kind of a plug and play system where I have a bunch of activities recorded and also we'll do some upon request and I can put them together into like a 15 minute up to an hour long workshop that you can purchase for your like organization, your school, your camp, your library, whatever, and then you can like once you have the permission to do so, you can send it out to the people in your cohort, if you will. So that's just going to be a way that Crash Rhythm can still do kind of the festivals we do in the summer camps without actually having to do them in person, right? So that's going to be a cool new way for Crash to engage with communities this summer. As some would say, the only way. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that's very exciting. And if you have any questions, obviously you can email me or you can uh, Facebook direct message or Instagram message that's what it is right yeah instagram okay. message yeah got it instagram DM. sweet <laughs> so this week on the podcast we are going to be talking about uh practicing proper practicing so i think a lot of people especially kids when they hear practicing it sounds kind of daunting and scary and something that's not fun wouldn't you say yeah yeah so it has like the word itself has this like negative connotation to it sometimes. It's like, oh, it practice. Oh. It feels like a chore. That's what it sounds like, right? Yeah. Something you have to do. So I think what we should be doing during this podcast is breaking a lot of those negative stigmas about practicing and showing how to enforce a good practice, right? And this applies to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this now without thinking about it at all, but this could apply to so many aspects of your life. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah. We'll see in 40 minutes. (laughs) I know. I think we'll draw connections as we go and we'll find out if it really does. But um, we, in in our discussions about practicing, practicing is something that Matt and Malcolm and I talk about a lot and how to properly do it. And I think um, in, in all of these kind of conversations that we've had, we've come up with this system. Um, I'm calling, I call it the four R's. And see, Malcolm's already laughing at it because one of the R's is definitely a stretch, but I just really love the alliteration and I needed them all to start with the same letter. So yeah, once you get just, three, you just have to find the fourth, right? Well, that's what it was, right? Yeah. Three of them started with an R already. So I was like, I gotta find an R for this one. Go to the thesaurus um, and like, okay, what starts with R? <laughs> what starts with R? I was like, oh, I know. And then, yeah, so I did my best. Um, <laughs> I think the other thing, maybe we should start by saying, is because right now people are stuck at home and practicing is something that I, I mean, I feel like people maybe right away were thinking, wow, I have all this free time on my hands. Like the first two weeks, like I'm going to practice all the time. And then the kind of honeymoon phase has gone and -hmm. now it's going to be a bit difficult to get to practicing and maybe, uh, or maybe the reverse for some people. But one thing we talked about a lot is putting whatever your instrument is if for in our cases it could be a drum pad and just putting it somewhere that's accessible to play right so somewhere that we can pass by which will bring us to our which i think will segue beautifully into our first r i think it will 
right? So, okay, you guys, is there anything you want to say about that before we get into the first R? Or anything you want to say at all about practicing in general? I think uh, one of the things for me that stands out, and, like, this is one of my, like, buddies back in the day. Like, he just stopped referring to it as practicing, and he just started calling it, like, like, oh, I got a drum for an hour. And, like, that's it, right? Like, I think just even stopping using the word practice and – for me, like, it was just kind of like a mindset, almost, like, I remember, like, in my drum corps audition experience, there was a couple times when they were like, you know, when you're on tour, like, you wake up and you decide how you're going to feel that day about, like, what you're doing, right, so when I sit down to practice, like, I try not to sit down as, like, oh, I have to practice, it's like, I, I'm sitting down to drum, and I just, just kind of just decide that I'm going to enjoy what I'm going to be doing, you know, instead Absolutely. of, yeah my way through it like I just love to drum and for me like I don't know this might be like a thing specific to me but I I tried to find like little things like within the practice session that I can enjoy like for one like I just love like the way that like sticks feel in my hands and like the response of like the sticks on the on the meat of my hands like I just, love just that. get like a few like triplet bounces in yeah. yeah yeah and like I think just finding joy and like as many of the little things as you can is like a huge uh, bonus it just kind of helps move the process along and that way when it gets frustrating like you can still just ease up play some eights or do if you're playing another instrument like play something that you're good at and you know that you're gonna have fun playing and then go back into you know the thing you're having trouble with absolutely and i say that to my students a lot too start with something you like right start with something that's fun that's gonna get you into it um and that could be like the micro of that practice session or the macro of like what our curriculum is right is like mm -hmm. let's start let's do something fun let's get engaged and then like we can start to get into the nitty-gritty once you're engaged and you like it yeah for sure totally matt anything we're gonna get into the first art um well i mean i i also kind of look at it at like in a way practicing an instrument's really not much different than like somebody practicing a sport think of all the like households you walk by in the neighborhood and they have like a basketball net uh, on the driveway or a hockey net and there's like kids out there shooting hoops or you know taking shots on that and they're out there loving it and for me music's really no different than that you know I'm just working at the thing I love to do I love that mm -hmm. well thank you I, I don't know why that changed everything for me <laughs> I love that but it's so true because yeah. in in so many ways we we um compare being in a music ensemble to being on a sports team right mm -hmm. and there is that kind of like, oh, I'm just going to go outside and shoot hoops. Like you don't call it practicing basketball, right? Yeah. You're shooting hoops. It's the same kind of idea. I love that. And I, and that's so true. Take the word practicing out of it, Malcolm. And it's just like, it totally changes the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that brings us to the first R, which is stands for, which is stands for routine. <laughs> <laughs> routine. So the best way to practice. And I think that this will also Kind of fit in we're going to bring the back it back to this a lot because i think this is one of the things that breaks the stigma as well of practicing which is i have to practice um two hours a day if i'm going to be successful and that is not always true obviously you get to a point in your career um where practicing two hours a day might you might need to do that but um for a majority of people the thing that i always encourage is having a practice like 10, 15 minutes a day is, which is much better. And Matt, I know you can speak to this because I think you've done some more research into this as well about um, the kind of quantity or quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, so most of your, um, I guess, your, your brain stores a lot of information that you learn every day when you sleep. And every day that you go without uh, reinforcing some sort of knowledge is sort of a day that that information gets kind of like put on like, you know, the back burner until eventually right. maybe it's gone. So by doing the same sort of thing every day, you're just sort of reinforcing uh, the memory that's already there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So like doing uh, 10 minutes a day for seven days is better than doing 70 minutes on one day because you have right. that, you know, uh, internal mental storage for seven days versus one. Mm -hmm. And people might think that, well, 70 minutes and 70 minutes are the same thing. Not the case. Not the case. And also sitting down for 70 minutes and doing something can be daunting. And if you're someone like me, uh, other than excluding drumming, if someone said, oh, you got to go do that thing and do it for 70 minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do it at all. Never mind. Versus someone said, just do it for 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's only 10 minutes. That's fine. So there's a lot of that kind of when something seems too big, we don't do it at all. Right. And it's so true. I think that 
doing those little little nuggets and having and, and also it's much easier to put 10 or 15 minutes into your daily routine yeah the first r I also think that 10 minutes, it's like a lot easier for 10 minutes to turn into 20 and 30 minutes, you know, instead of like trying to slug through, like if you say like, you know, I'm going to drum for 70 minutes at 10 minutes in, you're going to be like, okay, like how much time do I have left? Right. But if you're drumming for 10 minutes and you have a good time and then all of a sudden 20 minutes goes by like, Oh, I was loving that. That was great. Absolutely. And in most cases, you're right. Most cases, if you're working on something and 10 minutes is up, you're not gonna be like, oh, okay, sec, bye. It's, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm so close to getting this. Okay, I'll just keep, I'll just keep cracking on, right? Like, I'll figure it out. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. And, and it comes down to like focus as well, right? So like, if you say to yourself, I want to practice, you know, you say you set a big goal, I'm going to practice for 30 minutes, but you find that you're losing focus after 15. You don't want that la- the, like the last 15 minutes of your practice session to be unfocused practice right? Your, your practice length should be geared to how long you can maintain 100% focus on that activity. As soon as you start Absolutely. thinking about like, oh, you know, I'm going to play Fortnite later. It's probably time to take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. I also um, think with, uh, with like shorter sessions, like this is something I've been kind of experimenting with, with my students is like, I tell them instead of drumming for, you know, an hour chunk each day, like drum for like 10 minutes at a time, like through the course of the day. And like, I believe that like, um, you know, I find especially with drumming, it usually takes a little bit to like, you know, when you start playing and then your hands kind of really get set into something. And I find that like, if you kind of, you know, get into that zone and then come out of it and then go back to it, you're, it's going to be quicker to get back into like the proper zone type of deal. And then it eventually kind of gets to a point where you just start and you're already kind of in the zone already. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there is something to be said about um, like when when we're working with the drum line, our warm ups are like twenty minutes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you know if if we're asking people to practice for ten minutes a day, um, I, a lot of that is geared towards my students who are younger, who I'm still trying to make sure that they're enjoying music, right? So it it, it a lot of it is breaking that stigma. But you're right, people like us. Um, I, when I, if I'm sitting at a pad for 10 minutes, I wouldn't, even, you're right. I wouldn't even call that practice. That was just me hacking away and like, you know, just doing some, some fun stuff. But if I were to actually dedicate like time to working, it's going to be way longer than that. Right. Like, cause you're right. Like it takes a while to get into that. Once you feel comfy, you feel good. You're not just going to stop. You're, yeah. That's when you really start to build the momentum up for sure. Yeah. Um, are we prepared to talk about the second R? Yeah, I think so. We're prepared. Okay. I'm this, prepared. Is the, this one is the one that's the stretch. Um, the second R is regimen, which I know what you're thinking. That sounds just like routine. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all, <laughs> and keep in mind, <laughs> the word might be very similar, but um, what I'm, what I, what I'm trying to portray with it is a little different. So with regimen, what we're talking about, and this goes back to the, the 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is, is you could practice for an hour and have it be working towards nothing. Or you could practice for 10, 15 minutes and have it be really directed, really focused and make it really important practice, right? Correct, important practice. So the idea is to make your practice time as directed as possible. Um, And the way that we always say that, and this can apply to any instrument, is do your warm up, right? If you're uh, a drummer, like we recommend you stretch because these are your instruments. All this is your instrument. So you got to stretch this out, right? Yeah, exactly. Some of these. But we do a <laughs> every Monday. Radio people have no idea what we're doing, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're missing a lot of good stuff. We're not but, even playing. Yeah, like, we, do, we do all these ones and you can really feel it to get yourself ready. Then I like to do nice big legato strokes to really stretch out those muscles and get it nice and nice and loose. Um, so for another instrument, I'm sure there's something that's equally applicable. I don't really know what trumpeters do to warm up their face. Maybe they have a face warm up that I don't know about. Maybe. But the idea is to kind of get yourself prepared. Um, and then that's going to make you feel good about drumming before you even start. And then we're talking about doing an exercise that's applicable to maybe the thing you're working on. Mm. Right. So um, if you're, this is the, the example that we use for, for instrumentalists, but if you're a flautist and you're learning a song in E flat, which is all their, so- I mean, that's their concert, isn't it? I'm I pretty sure that they're like, I'm that, pretty sure they're B-flat right. concert. I think I, their B flat concerts in E flat. Is E flat? Yeah, that right. sounds right. That's all I got. Yeah. 
<laughs> Malcolm knows right and left. <laughs> That's it. I got two. Uh, but so anyways, if you're playing a piece in E flat, you should do some E flat scales, do some E flats arpeggios, right? Work on something that's going to be applicable to the thing you're working on. For drummers, we're working on a part that might have, um, might be, a, might be a triplet based, right? Then we should be doing some triplet grids, stuff like that. Something that's applicable to what you're doing. Anything to add to that, boys? I think uh, it's important to kind of like understand like the the parts that make up, you know, music for the most, like, especially when it comes to drums, I find like it, it's fairly easy to kind of break down any piece of music into like pretty much like three or four like big ideas. Like you have your big legato strokes, you have your accent tap, your tap strokes. And like, if you can really like hone those in and use a, like a warm up sequence that'll like get all those in and get you comfortable with feeling that, then like, really that's all you need and everything else beyond that is just like sticking and like musicality but like the core mechanics I think um are really important and I think like a lot of kids like they get so caught up in like the sticking and all this stuff that they just forget about like that fundamental just like how your hands are interacting with the sticks interacting with the drum absolutely and I think it's it's a it's a definitely a learnt skill to mm. be able to see what I'm what am I working on and how do I strip that down to the, to the check or to like the bare pattern that's going to work the thing that'll then help me play the big thing, yeah. right? It's that's being why taking private lessons is so great because you have absolutely. a teacher to direct you, this is what you're working on, so you should practice this. Absolutely, yeah. right? And that's 100% the thing is, um, it, it, like I said, it's a learned thing, right? So the more you play, the more you know what those things are. And I know that for me, like a practice session now is so different from a practice session when I first started drumming because yeah. I don't say, oh, today I'm going to do um, exercise four from the book of blah, blah, blah. Like I know what I need to work on. I know the things that help work on that. And then I just make that up and do it on the spot, right? Like, so it's a very different process. And that's 100% right, Matt. That's why you need someone who has that experience that can help you see the big picture, see the macro and bring it to the micro. I've been using micro macro a lot. I think uh, I think like just kind of one last thing to build on that is like a lot of people like they'll see an exercise and they'll just look at the entire exercise and then it's like all right let's play the first bar and they're like and they'll just kind of like you know flub their way through the first bar I'm like yeah I got it and then move on but I think like there's a lot of value in spending like way too much time on the beginning like the first four notes like over and over and over and over again um one of yep. our one of our members from team tour gave us a video and just playing 16th notes and like overall it was pretty great but every time like the chunk started again like those first few notes were always like a little bit off so that's just like the type of thing where it's easy to look at like a 16th note grid and just think like oh i can play 16th notes All i gotta think about is the accents but like for me yeah. like something that simple like i'm thinking about everything that isn't the accents the accents are just like the feature of you know that exercise but for me like i'm thinking about i'm thinking about like those first three notes in every single beat to line those up perfectly oh absolutely and, and I, I think yeah and like with my or, and i feel like when we were learning how to drum it was it was all about the accents and it's just like yeah hey guys it's all about the taps it's yeah. all about the taps that that's where you live the taps where you live and these are the features right but this is yeah. the thing that has to be consistent absolutely and like you know, you always kind of say when you're a director and you're, and you're leading a band and you all, you know, it's like the most important notes are the first one and the last one, right? Mm -hmm. Start strong and strong. So that's always important. And I, I think that does come down to kind of the routine and the regimen of things is it's okay if you spent 15 minutes working on one bar of music. It's okay if you spent 15 minutes working on a half beat of music. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's good. That's good practice. Yeah. Don't pass something up. Something I see all the time with my students is we have like a four bar phrase and they're messing up something in the second half of the third bar. They always start at bar one. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, I'm, I'm, and it's hard now on video and I'm like, Hey, can you just, just don't worry about the first two bars. Yeah, <laughs> like, just focus bar. on the part. Yeah. Just play the bar, play the beat that you're struggling with. Don't worry about the stuff you played perfectly. We're going to come back to that. Let's yeah. work, 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 work until everything's evenly, evenly bad or good. Yeah. And then we can start to think, right? And I think on that note as well, it's important that you're focusing on the tough stuff. I know it sounds like, you know, oh, I want to work on what's easy for me because that's going to be more fun. But, um, right. you know, working on that third bar over and over again is going to have like so much more value over playing bar one and two. 
Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's where you need to be working is that, that tough, that tough bar. Things you and it is to. tough to get caught up in the bars that are easy, right? It is. It's, it's a really, boost. Yeah. It's a boost. It's like, oh, this feels great. Ah, there's one thing. I, I won't worry about that. I'll figure it out later. It's like, no, you oh, just and need I, to figure I'm that out guilty. now. And the whole thing will be so much better. The whole thing will be familiar and easy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also find going back to like the 16th note grid example, like listening to it and like looking at it, like, like I said before about like the accents being the feature, like when I think about the taps being a feature, I find like in my head, it creates like kind of like just like a much kind of cooler groove to listen to in my head. Mm. Right. Where like kind of the right hands are always like the emphasis. So in my head, like I'm still just playing like, and it sounds just like 16th notes, but in my head, it kind of has like, this swagger i guess to it that makes it more oh, fun to practice right so even if i'm just playing absolutely. eight something super simple like it sounds you know super monotone but in my head like i'm making it super cool up here and that's what makes it fun to practice i, I think a, uh, another great example of that is when i'm teaching drum set and um we're learning like just you know like hi-hat eighth notes on the hi-hat so and then we're adding in bass and snare stuff. And I often tell my students, I'm like, focus on those moments where it's just the hi-hat. Mm-hmm. It's like a similar thing, right? Like the space that it's creating. We're doing slow jams. My student, one of our, we're doing slow jams this week. Super psyched about that. Right, like those little moments in the middle there with the hi-hat, that's what makes it a total group, right? So I hear And that's where I find like the time usually starts to kind of fall out. Oh, absolutely. And the tap, I think like another, taps, like yeah, keep you in time yeah. for sure. Yeah, and like for like for me, what makes it fun is like I just sing the song in my head. You know, I think that's like especially for drummers since there's no like melody. I think that's kind of like almost an abstract concept to be singing it in your head. Right. But like when I learn a part, like I assign a little bit of a melody to it in my head, and I mm. find that makes it easier to remember and it just makes it more fun to practice. Oh, for sure. Kind of gro- groove a little bit more with it. Yeah, exactly. And awesome. Actually, All right. uh, interesting note, because uh, we were talking about the videos that we've uh, had submitted for Teen Tour Drumline. Uh, I noticed that somebody was playing a 16th note accent grid, and midway through, they started humming a little bit. I'm like, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's the melody they're assigning to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And I find, Love especially for the grid, like, that helps me a ton, um, especially with the left hand. Um, the left hand. Oh, yeah. Like having them on the upbeat and stuff, like it really just kind of helps you push in the pocket, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, R number three. R number three. We, and we did talk about this a little bit already, but the third R is repetition. And something that I want to uh, solidify with repetition is, and this is another great reason why you should have a private, like a, te- a teacher who can show you the ropes, is you want to make sure that your repetition is correct. Because if we're practicing the same thing over and over again, but we're not doing it correctly, then we are doing no favors, right? We are practicing bad techniques. So once you know that you're playing something correctly, once you know that a paradiddle is right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, those are two paradiddles, just to clarify. (laughs) But once you know that, once you know that that's correct, then practicing that over and over and over and over and over is really going to be helpful. So repetition, repetition, repetition. And we have, uh, and I should, by we, I should say Matt kind of suggested Um, and I mean, by no means did he invent this, but it's a great, great, great suggestion. And it's not something that I had thought of in a long time, which is doing your exercises, doing something you're working on to a song you like, because not only is it going to be more fun, but also you're guaranteed to do that thing for three and a half minutes, four minutes, however long the song is. Right. And you can easily Google some songs at different tempo, tempi, tempi, that is tempi. Tempai? Like, you always say tempai, and you say it with such conviction that I, I'm assuming it's correct. Well, there's like cacti, yeah, oct- yeah, yeah. octopi. I mean, I love it. I want it to be right. So we'll say I went that. to film school. Like, I'm not an English major, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, went I went to music to school. I'm not a tempai major. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the, the idea of being able to, to have something that's kind of fun, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of, and will guarantee that you're playing for X amount of time. Yeah. Set a timer, something like that. Um, but yeah, it comes back to the idea of taking that two beats, those two beats that you're struggling with, and just playing that over and over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I find like giving it a beat in between 
helps instead of just being like right and just like really solidifying it mass grooving out to that yeah an interesting thing with that is like let's say you have a piece of music and you're starting with two paradiddles right the way that you initiate that first stroke is going to be different than if you're just playing paradiddles back to back to back to back to back right so it's not only you know making sure you're playing it right but making sure you're playing it in the right context for one thing um and then also like i know it can be difficult to know like am i playing this right is it good and i think like that's where a mirror really comes in handy because with drumming especially like it's really easy to tell i think at least like when especially with technique if you're right or wrong because you can just look at it like the way that um like our hands are designed to just kind of like wrap around the stick like it's not it's just the way my hand goes right if you're doing some like crazy thing and you're all jacked up and tense and stuff like looking in a mirror is going to instantly tell you that you know i have tension it's uncomfortable like i'm doing this wrong so i think that's where like using a mirror and also like going online looking at videos and like watching other people do it like how are they doing this and like if if they're doing it it sounds good they must be doing something right and I think right. it's, it's a lot easier than people think to just kind of like copy it. Oh, absolutely. And, and like, well, I mean, we'll get into that a little bit more on our fourth R for sure. But yeah, yeah. that's absolutely true. And I like what you said about oh, yeah, I guess have, practicing way. something. Come on, Malcolm. <laughs> Putting the cart before the horse. But I, uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's all good information. <laughs> Not everyone likes structure. <laughs> <laughs> But the, uh, I like saying putting it in context because I say this to students a lot and I know you guys do too, is when you're practicing a pattern and you end with like an accent, but in the music, it's a tap next. So it's like, well, then let's practice it that way. Instead of, I mean, you always want to end with that accent, but the next part is not accented. So don't practice something incorrectly, right? That's not what it's going to be. So things like that are super important. Do you want to add something, Matt? I feel like you're ready to go. Uh, well, I guess sort of on the note of repetition, um, one of the things that uh, I would get asked by a lot of my private students is like, how many times should I practice this thing? And I think mm. in our last podcast, Hillary, you told a pretty good story about you practicing the guitar for um, a performance at your church and you did it and how many failing times? Miserably. And failing miserably. Yes. Yeah. So four <laughs> times is not enough. Four um, times is not enough. But, um, you know, I think that a sort of benchmark that I've often prescribed is like, once you get comfortable, if you can play it like seven to 10 times in a row without breaking or feeling discomfort, that means you probably have it comfortable enough to sort of move on. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're not going to forget drumming, about it forever, but not, don't feel that tension, right? Feel the flow. Yeah. Like once you've got that flow and you're not a lot of students, it's this with the shoulders and it's like, who invented this? Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa chill, man. Like, it's just like all this tension, especially when they're learning accent taps. It's like, oh, taps. And it's accents is like, yeah. <laughs> they're just punching the head. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, but that's, that's it's so true. I think seven to 10 is a good number. And I think also um, coming back to like, I think, you know, doing like 30 repetitions in a row would be less helpful than maybe doing 10 repetitions over the course of three days, like, per, like, yeah. one, like 10 per day type of deal and like slowly building. It's just that. like working out. Yeah, because like yeah. At, at some point, um, like especially if you're just not getting it, like your brain just needs a second to take a step away from it and think about something else. Like I know there's a well, lot. There's of definitely time. burnout. Yeah, and like it's and I think like a lot of it can just come like with tension and like oh I'm trying to play this thing and I can't play it. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you just gotta take a step back, relax, try it again. Like yeah, I think seven to ten is like a good amount, but. It's also knowing and just kind of like playing it by ear on like what's working best for you. Like if you're like getting to seven and like you're breaking or something and then you're just getting frustrated and, you know, angry and you don't want to do it anymore, then like, is the 10 really worth it right now? Because it's just making you hate. I completely agree. Yeah, it's so true. You have to know know when it's time to walk away for sure. Totally. I have many uh, drumstick tip shaped uh, dents in my wall. (laughs) 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah 
and like every day I, I now that like I own a house and I own all the furniture here <laughs> it's I it crosses my mind so many times like would it really matter if there were drumstick dents in that table because <laughs> I'm like I mean that's kind of me yeah why what why would I care now it's all my stuff <laughs> and then, like in five years you have like you know little like indents where oh gosh well they're gonna alter the it to can. For a bunch of time that'd be great if you all have my people over for dinner yeah you know, the plates <laughs> are like on an angle <laughs> If, if all my furniture turns into junk line can quality, Malcolm won't come here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm will never come back to my house. Oh, He'd be like, yeah. replace the table. Replace the thing. Please <laughs> replace flat. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be happy to you know I used some cans for uh, yard waste. <laughs> some nice. junk line cans. Nice. I guess because so. we were kind of kind of like drifted into this, this area. And it, it's another thing that I think comes up a lot, especially with younger students, is making mistakes and how to deal with that when you're practicing mm. at home. Because it can be really discouraging when you're trying to learn something and you just you just simply can't get it. So I'm wondering, uh, like I always tell my students, like mistakes are your biggest tool if you're able to identify what's causing that mistake, because then it's really easy because then you just have to fix what you identified. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and every time a student does that, oh I didn't get that. Oh I didn't get that. I'm like, I don't think you realize this, but the fact that you know you've messed up is super important. Like that's great news. The fact that you know you didn't play it right is amazing keep doing that. And something I always tell my students, like, I didn't ask you to play it perfectly. I didn't ask you to like, you know, learn this to perfection in a week. I did not ask that. I asked you to try it. And I asked yeah. you to show me your best right now. So like, yeah, like you said, mistakes are super important. And we don't play things perfectly the first time. That's why we practice them, right? Like they're not meant to, if everything you play is perfect the first time, then like, that's not really that fun. You're not challenging yourself as well. Well, that's more for adults, but for kids, like, well, true for kids too. You want to push them right a little bit every, every time, but mistakes are super important. And often a kid will play something and then go, that wasn't right. Was it? I go, no, it wasn't, but it was sick. Like, <laughs> love that. that was so cool. And then often what I'll do is I'll write out what they played by accident. Right. right? So yeah, yeah. they can then see, I'm like, okay, so you see the difference, right? Cause you did, you'd play, this is what I asked you to play you played this. See that little difference there? That was cool though, what you did. I like that. I might write that. I might use that for something. I say it all the time. And then I'm never going to. <laughs> it's actually, I've actually had some ideas from students put into junk line songs. <laughs> but then be like, that's cool. And then put it there. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it showing the mistakes and taking that through that journey is awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. This is why there's three of us on a podcast and not just me. You know what I mean? I think uh, and, one last thing to kind of touch on with repetition is like, you know, making sure that you're kind of paying attention to your muscles, right? Like, I know I did a lot of, like, roll, like, just, like, endless roll type of things, just over and over and over again, like, doing super long rolls and just, like, building up my muscles and playing to a point where, like, it does kind of hurt, but it's, like, a nice burn, right? And right. Like, the workout hurts. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I think that's, like, something that, you know, especially kids might overlook is, you know, how like the muscles and the muscle memory like really plays into it. Cause I feel like they just kind of think of it as like, I am thinking about playing drums and my hands are making the sticks hit the drums. And like, that's it. When you got to think yeah. about like, what are your fingers doing? Like all these like little micro things that are happening in your muscles that, you know, might be a little above some kids, but I think it's important to think about and at least like tell them that, you know, you have to train your muscles just as much as you train your brain and all that. Absolutely. The muscle memory is a huge play. And like, like we kind of said before with, with that tension, right. is like telling students all the time, like do your shoulders hurt because really they shouldn't ever, <laughs> like yeah. there's no need for this muscle to hurt. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like, you know, if you're getting all up in here, then just realize that you don't need that. And for like 95% of what we play, we're, we're not even lifting our hands high. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything's, everything's right in, in this little pocket. And even when we're playing like big accents, like still, right? Like yeah. we're not all doing like the finale of a DCI show and having our hands all the way up at the top. Like we, you don't need to be doing that. I find I enjoy drumming the most. And like, this is something that I've been like working for my whole career is like, you know, just trying to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. You know, and like just the better I've gotten, the easier it's become and the more I enjoy it. So I think like just making sure that even if you're playing like a really hard piece, you want to make it as easy on your body as you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I think this brings us to the last R, 
And this are, I think Malcolm could probably take, I mean, we could all talk about it, of course, but I think Malcolm could take a lead on this since he did go to school for video editing. And the last R is record. So it's super important to record yourself. And there's a ton of benefits why. And I know it's something that most people, um, and, and I think parents, especially of kids who are taking lessons, wouldn't even consider, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole reason why we record is not just to send off to your teachers so that they can, you know, look at it and, and mark you and criticize what you're doing. It's kind of similar to what Malcolm was talking about before is checking what you're doing and comparing it to things that you've seen professionals do, people who are better than you, your teacher do, and kind of seeing, well, that doesn't quite look right. Seeing something and thinking, oh, that's not as natural as I thought it was. And then now you're critically thinking about your own drumming, your own music, whatever you're playing, right? Critically thinking about your, your own playing. And then you're able to start identifying and becoming self-aware about your technique, about the things you're playing, about the notes you're playing, and about how musically you're playing them. Big, big for me is a tap height. So I'll play something and I was like, oh, nailed that. And then I'll watch the video back and I'm like, whoa, taps at six? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And for everyone, that's six inches off the pad or drum. And usually your taps are three inches off the pad or drum. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of how drummers measure their different dynamic levels is like, you know, distance off, off the drum. So usually it should be tiny. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's not. I think it's especially important for younger students as well. Um, cause you, you sort of have like, um, I don't know if, an, uh, anyone's watched this video with Gavin Harrison, he talks about like a musician's CPU and like every time you practice, you're kind of like upgrading your CPU, but for somebody who's just learning a concept, they don't have the ability to think about playing the thing and also listen to what they're playing and see how they're playing it. Yeah, and it isn't absolutely. until you go back and see those videos that you actually see things that you didn't even know were there because you were so focused on, you know, playing a paradiddle right, left, right, right or whatever that might be. You got just too much brain on, yeah, going too, too on much brain. at what you're doing and not enough. You just can't, it's just physically impossible to put it all towards the mm -hmm. critically looking, right? For sure. Yeah, and until you, you get comfortable with that thing. You have yeah. time you, and all that. But. And by the time you finished playing the paradiddle, let's say you're already playing the next paradiddle and probably messing yeah. it up. Exactly. <laughs> probably doing terribly at that one too. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think a lot of kids, like they're just, scared and nervous like I remember making like audition videos and stuff and like yeah it's super nerve-wracking you want to play perfectly but like when you're just at home practicing like you're just recording yourself for you you don't have to show anybody I think it's good to show people um just to like get feedback and just to kind of put yourself out there like this is what I can do because I think like I know it's really easy to be like way harder on yourself than you know yeah. other people will be like a especially like a beginner and intermediate, like people are going to support you. They're going to help you out, maybe give you some constructive criticism. And, but at the end of the day, like it's probably only going to help you to show other people and, and get outside opinions. Um, but yeah, yeah, like Matt was saying, yeah. there's so many things you have to think about while you're playing. It's impossible to look back and, and realize that, you know, you're maybe slightly ahead of the beat at this point because you're already thinking about the previous beat, how you were kind of behind. So you have to be in time for the next beat and then it's already gone. <laughs> right. So recording yourself is super important. And, you know, it, it also creates like an archive that you can go back and look through and like watch yourself grow, which I think is great for motivation. Um, I don't know, like if, if I, if I were to like restart, I would probably, I wish I like recorded myself once a week or something like that. So I could go back and oh, with that. whole progress from nothing to where I am like that would be amazing and it's a type of thing I, I do have a well I was gonna say I do have a little gem of me recording myself playing uh, like on just on a pad at a resort that my family went to in the summertime and I'm playing street beat and I, I was 14 years old I was playing street beat on the pad and I think it was like I was learning it to either get on snare or I just got on snare mm -hmm. it was like something like that and it's like one of the first, you know, it's like right when I was really becoming like a snare drummer. And yeah. like, like you said, like being able to see that was so cool. I just found it like two years ago. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. I, think I have I, a really I think old I video. Show. I have a video probably from like the same type of era from like my yeah. growth of me playing street beat. And I've watched it. It's like, it's like unlisted on my YouTube channel, but it's like, it's one of those things I go back and watch. I'm like, oh, so cringy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like everybody yeah. is bad at some point. So you're just gonna have to realize that, you know, 
you're probably bad, but the only way you're not going <laughs> to be bad is to practice. And like, there's yeah. always someone worse than you and there's always someone better. So it always, it doesn't matter. Just keep practicing. My students, and I just had this conversation with a student yesterday. Um, and we were talking about kind of practicing and he's like, man, this is hard. This is pretty difficult. I'm like, yeah, but one day it won't be one day. It'll be pretty easy for you to play. And I was like, see, look, like I like, see how easy it is for me to play. That'll, that'll be you one day. And he's like, yeah, but like, you're the best. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, we're talking about piano. So <laughs> <laughs> you could not be farther from the truth. Like, no. And he's like, but you're like really good at everything. So like, you're like, obviously you're the best. I'm like, not even close. I'm like, I still have so much to learn. There are still a million people better than me definitely at piano so it's like a total you know you and the thing that I love about drumming to go back to what you're saying and we talked about this in our percussion podcast is that uh and you, you notice this a lot when you go to a school for music and you're in like concert percussion as well is that drumming and percussion is so community-based and the network that you get is so building each other up um all like you know and I, I really would love to break and I know you guys would too to break the stigma of being afraid to play in front of your peers and yeah. being afraid to make mistakes and not be as good as somebody else. Because, um, you know, Matt could be the master of, of diddles and Malcolm could be the master of accent taps and I could be the master of like flam rudiments. And that's something that we can share with each other, right? And that's something that we can help each other with because there's so many aspects. I know it's the same way with other instruments, but there's so many aspects of drumming that no one's the best at all of them, right? And it's just so easy to get down on yourself because Matt played diddles better than I did. But that doesn't mean that we can't communicate about that. And you should always be able to go up to, you should, everyone should be able to go up to Matt and say, Matt, help me with my diddles. Everyone should be able to do that. <laughs> and then, and, then on top of that, and on top of that, show Matt a video of you doing diddles. <laughs> yes. That's the message. I think, uh, I think going back to recording, like, you know, recording yourself is kind of like a soft performance, right? Yes. Like it's, you know, um, it's kind of like setting in stone a rep and it's something you can look back on. And so I think it's important just to like record yourself just to get used to like the kind of the thought process of like somebody watching you. Because um, I know as soon as you hit record, it's like, <clears throat> okay, I'm just gonna start. <laughs> like, Right. And so I think like as soon as you just can get used to like hit and record playing it like eh, that wasn't my best, whatever. And then like for right. parents, right, like encourage your kids to like play in front of you or like you're recording them, like holding the phone or the camera or whatever. And like just getting them used to like kind of that performance anxiety, I guess I might call it. Yeah. Um, Which is a real thing. Yeah, it's, like it's like, only going to help. Yeah. Like, I, I still to this day, like I don't like doing like solo things like I still get super nervous right? right and like I've recorded myself thousands of times I've done many performances and I still if I get up on a stage by myself I'm gonna be uh, sweating bullets mm -hmm. but what can you do what can I do uh, I can tell you exactly what you can do record yourself more and share <laughs> it with people yeah it's like a mini perfor soft performance as you just called soft it performance. soft performance soft performance brought to you by Malcolm yeah <laughs> Love that. That's great. Well, guys, I, I mean, but I don't have to edit it. <laughs> guys, we really talked about a lot. We did. I think I'm hoping that we've enlightened so many people with practice, uh, proper practice technique, ways to make it fun, ways to break some stigma. Um, I think I'm trying to think if there's something else I wanted to add, but I don't know if there really is. Oh, you know what? We could be just because this was the structure of the other conversation we had, but maybe we should just like briefly, um, talk about the importance of practicing with a metronome so yes i think a wow, lot of we people, haven't even mentioned that the whole time i know not i don't think crazy we once <laughs> we did mention tempi yep tempi 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 tempos so i think a lot of uh especially if you're a parent of a child who's just taking music lessons uh and especially especially if you're a parent who knows nothing about music a metronome is a way for us to uh it's just it's just a way to to get a, a consistent tempo consistent beat so that we can play consistently <laughs> Jeez, that was a terrible definition i'm usually pretty good at definitions but um you have uh we measure our tempos in bpm beats per minute and you can slide it to different you know temp by so that you can be practicing at different speeds uh essentially it's a great way 
to make sure that you're on time if you don't have a conductor and if you're not playing in an ensemble. So if you are in an ensemble, also great to use. But a lot of people, I think when they get home and they're playing by themselves and it's just them, they're thinking, but I don't have to, I'm not playing with anybody else right now. What does it matter? And the answer is it matters. It matters a lot. It's going to help your internal rhythm a ton. So, uh, and then Matt, you actually brought something up on one of our conversations, which was when to use a metronome, because even though we always say metronome, 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 there are times when it would be a detriment to use a metronome. Hit us with it, Matt. Well, um, let's uh, use a paradiddle, for example. Let's say you're in week three of your, your drumming career and you've just learned about this fancy new rudiment called a paradiddle. And, you know, Hillary says, okay, go home and work on this. And you're just struggling to get the sticking right, left, right, right, because it feels like almost like a tongue twister to your hands. Ooh, the yes. metronome's just going to throw you off so much. You need to make sure that you like untangle that tongue twister for yeah, your yeah, hands, yeah. figure out what goes where before you try to play anything in time. Just like Absolutely. what hand goes where, okay, spend time on that, then try to play it in time. I yeah. think that could even be used for like a piece of music as well. I know, mm -hmm. um, I think it's Paul Rennick that runs Santa Clara Vanguard. I, from what I, I think I heard that like he doesn't use a tempo or he doesn't even do rhythms at first. Like he teaches the music just like the sticking. And then you incorporate the rhythms and then you put it to a met type of deal. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's really, I find that about. very interesting for the reason that the sticking or the rhythm could dictate your approach to the sticking. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. But I do agree. Like whenever any song, any piece of music that I've ever learned, you hack away at it for a little bit. Yeah. Super slow, no consistent tempo just because you're just trying to get comfy you're building that muscle memory and then once you start to know what you're playing that's when you can incorporate a, a metronome and the other thing like please please everybody listen to me the other thing is when i assign something when someone assigns something when you're learning a song nobody expects it at 170 bpm in a week yeah. nobody yeah stop <laughs> please stop like i don't know what i mean i know what it is because i was a kid too and i did the exact same thing but when you get a new piece of music learn it under tempo, learn it down tempo, make sure you're playing it correctly. Because if you're trying to play it fast and you don't even know what it is yet, mm -hmm. you're going to be doing no favors to yourself because you're doing this. Oh, I know this part. Let's go. Oh, uh, here comes the part I don't know again. And then we're back into it. And yeah. that is so anti the purpose of a drummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite is, of what we're supposed to do yeah, it's the opposite of what we're supposed to do we're supposed <laughs> to be the foundation we're supposed to be the core tempo for everybody else so it's important to be consistent whether it's slow or fast but be consistent yeah i, um, I also think that you know starting with just the sticking kind of like how i said before about like you know the made-up melody in your head it kind of to me is like a signs like my own kind of melody that I'm coming up with as I'm learning it. And then as it slowly starts to like mesh into like the proper rhythms and the dynamics, like all that's all that like base work that I did just kind of like molds into that, but it still gives me like a mm -hmm. foundation like that I came up with. So I, it's easier to remember for me type of deal. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. All right, guys, I think we did it. I think we did. We could talk about this for like know. six hours, really. I have a conversation at Tempi here. If we want to listen to that quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit that. I don't know if you'll hear it, but it better not give me an ad. I swear. <laughs> oh, ah, Tempi. <laughs> oh, Malcolm, I feel for you. I really do. All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Um, we started a new tradition, so um, you both have to tell me something you're listening to right now. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a Jimmy D. That's a Jimmy D. Um, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it, it was his idea, I guess. Right. Well, I, it's a great idea. I, I, I really like it. Mm -hmm. um, well, um, Malcolm, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I'm listening to Mr. Brightside right now. Oh, wow. Okay. That's all I there got. There you go. Nice. Um, someone I've been listening to a little more recently because I find they're quite relaxing and uh they have some nice music i just want to make sure i'm saying this right it's gregory allen isakoff isakoff oh. um 
<laughs> yeah, sort of like folk indie kind of guy. Oh, nice. Okay. He was uh, he was apparently like a horticulturalist who decided he wanted to be a musician. Oh, yeah, you told us about him. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. All right, I got to get that a listen. Um, I, get ready for this, boys. I've been listening um, to one of our friends who drummed with us, his band quite recently, which is uh, Way the Anchor. And I've been giving that a few mm-hmm. uh, few listens through, and oh, I've yeah. been really enjoying that. Kind of disappointed in myself that I haven't gotten into it earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Kind of feel like... And they just released a new song, yeah, which I heard, and I, and I love that one, too. So that's fun. I feel like some kind of, like, punk rock stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It reminds me of high school, but, like, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it brings me great, back to my uh, listenings of those. It's a great, like, mid-early 2010s type of vibe. Yeah. It's got that kind of, like, uh, um, who's the band I was comparing them to? Oh, well, this was another Burlington band when I was in high school that I loved, which is We Are Bravest. Do you guys remember We Are Bravest? That sounds very familiar. Yeah, well, I, I listened to them in grade like 11, 12. So you guys would have been in like 8, 9, 10, something in there. Anyways, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Great job, guys. Well, thanks everyone for listening and watching for the first time ever. I wore my fancy jacket for you guys. Love that jacket. Thank you. Also, because I'm doing some of the virtual workshop recording today, I'm also wearing the jump line pants. Oh, that's a great combo. So this is, a, this is an outfit right here. <laughs> <laughs> All the colors. Business on top. Party on the bottom. Party on top, party on the bottom. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Your guys, for coming on. Uh, yeah, it's just party all around, really. <laughs> I, I'm going to get a mullet, but it's going to be f- both sides long. <laughs> both sides long. <laughs> party in the front. Party. So I guess hair? Just all hair. right. <laughs> hair. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Hear you all. Well, you'll hear us next week. All right. Good enough. Bye. See you later. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. And if you are one of those who watched it on YouTube, thanks again for that. This week, we introduced that we are starting our virtual workshops. So this is an opportunity for people to purchase pre-made workshops for them, for their groups, for organizations. So if you have any questions about that, please email me, contact me, and I'd love to uh, fill you in on these really cool new opportunity. And as always, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, YouTube, all those things, and check out our blog on our website, crashrhythm.ca. Thanks so much, everybody, and thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye.